Good morning, church. Man, it's a good day. It's going to be a great day. I'm really excited. We just sang it. The love of God never fails, never gives up, never runs out. And this morning, we're going to get to see that. Uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand at the end of our time together. Uh, one of our own, Britton George, is going to step into these waters of baptism and put Christ on in baptism and become what we believe is a new creation. Is that something we're celebrating, church? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Wow. I love it. It's, it's great. It's great. Can we say this together? We've been, we've been leaning into this for the last few weeks. And if you haven't been with us when we've done this, well, I will catch you up to speed real fast. But if you, if you would, let's say this together. We are the body of Christ, called to live different, to invite people to come together, invest in each other, and engage in what matters most because of Jesus. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of him. And as we sing this morning, as I hear your worship this morning, I'm telling you, I'm just, I've been moved already. We could just go home right now. It's been a great day. As we just come together to celebrate the risen Jesus, uh, to sing to him, to praise him, to pour our hearts out and worship to him, to, to stand in awe of who he is, to gather in this place, and to realize that the love of God is just a different kind of love. And if you didn't know this, let me just say this this morning before we even begin. You Every one of you, you are deeply and dearly loved by God. You, every one of you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter your attitude towards life or the world or the church or God or what, you, every one of you, you were loved. You were deeply loved and dearly loved by our Heavenly Father. Over the last few weeks, we've been leaning into this series, this idea that we hope becomes more than a series and more than an idea, but it's our hope and prayer becomes just the heartbeat of this church. It already is in so many ways. We're just trying to put language around what we believe is true of us, and we want it to be even more true of us. But, but this calling of Jesus to be salt and light in the world around us, to, to literally, in our everyday, ordinary lives, live different because of Jesus. And, I, and I've loved, I've seen tags appear, tags around the building. So many of you guys are taking these simple little tags and writing on them ways that either you're trying to live different or you've seen other people in your life living different because of Jesus. And I've, I've loved this week coming up here and walking around the building, reading the stories. So I hope you're taking time to do that, to read the stories. It's our goal. It's my goal. I hope it's our goal over the next few weeks to collect a thousand stories of how we are just trying to live different because of Jesus. And this isn't, again, this isn't about saying, look at us or how good we are. This can be completely anonymous unless you want to you just identify how you're seeing Christ and someone else. That's completely, that's encouraging too. This is just celebrating what, what we're trying to do is we try to live into the mission and vision of Jesus in this world and to be salt and light around us. So if you haven't yet, I want to encourage you to take some of these. If we all did three, two, three, four, five of these, we'd have a thousand stories in a week. It, it's not hard. And, and I hope you're seeing, I've seen it, I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in a lot of you. It's just, you just take notice. You see it happening. People stepping outside of the ordinary, doing something that's small, but it's absolutely extraordinary because they're living different. They're living, at, they're being Jesus in everyday ways. And I love that. 
I love, seeing, I love seeing you and I love hearing stories about you. I've heard some great stories this week. I can't wait to tell you these stories. But I've heard some great stories this week of how you guys are truly living into this. And it's, man, it's just exciting. I hope, can you believe Easter is a week away? Is that crazy to anybody else? Is this your flying by or what? I mean, unbelievable. And I hope you picked up some cards just to invite people uh, to come to Riverside. Leave these at restaurants. Leave them with your tip. As you talk to people about Riverside, you can hand them these cards. It has our address and our web address. That's all they need, right? And invite them to come. There are people right now, I guarantee you, who don't have a place to go to church next Sunday. And what would happen? You never know what hangs in the balance with an invitation that you extend. And so I would encourage you to do that. And maybe this morning you picked up, I've seen a lot of you wearing these live different bracelets already. This, this was an idea one of our members had, and so we just made it reality. They're too easy and cheap not to do. I'm wearing mine. Maybe you can wear yours. Just a great way. Eric, this is for you, big guy, because I love you. There you go, man. It's going to be a great day. And I'm excited that together we get to continue to think about what does it mean to live different because of Jesus. And I believe it starts with this. I know we're ending the series, but I believe it begins with this idea of love. Of love. And I want to ask you this question this morning before we get going. What does love without words look like? What does love without words look like? came across a story this week, actually a while back, of Elena Deladon. Elena Deladon is a WNBA superstar. I don't know if you follow the WNBA. She uh, came out of college and played for the Chicago Sky and was later traded to the Washington Mystics. But she has a sister named Lizzie, and Lizzie has cerebral palsy. And because of that, uh, she's deaf and blind. And Elena has always shied away from bringing a lot of attention to her family situation and to her sister just out of a protective nature. But last year, she allowed Gatorade to come in and shoot what became a two-minute video kind of showing a little bit of their relationship and a little bit of their story. If you would, uh, let's watch this video together. It was fate to be drafted by the Chicago Sky. to play for the Windy City. My sister and I have always had an incredible bond. She can't hear, she doesn't see. It's so much more than just talking. It's about touch and it's about other senses. We have to be with each other, one-on-one. This one was my first state title, and Lizzie was there because she only showed up for the most important games. (laughs) Lizzie has always been my strength, but going away to play college basketball meant that I had to say goodbye, and I just wasn't ready. I gave up the game I love. Everybody thinks I came home to take care of her, but she was the one helping me getting me out of the worst rut of my life. She gives me perspective. If you close your eyes and you can't hear anything and wind comes across your face and blows your hair, it makes you feel a certain way. To her, it's just pure joy and it's incredible to watch something that simple make her so happy. She brought me back. I can remember that first time I touched the ball again and that love was right there. I'll step outside after a rough practice, feel the wind, and it's like, oh, there you are, Liz. 
Liz has taught me so much. You don't focus on what you don't have. You celebrate what you do. So what does love without words look like? What does it feel like to experience love when you can't see, when you can't hear? I think, I think Elena and Lizzie could teach us a thing or two about what love looks like, love without words. Um, I think they could teach us something about sacrifice, about service, about, about what it means to love with someone, to experience love in that in that way. And, you know, I was thinking this week, we, we talk a lot about love. We talk a lot about the love of God, but I wonder if we even really know what that means. I mean, every time we talk about the love of God, we always talk about it in context and with terms and stories and examples of, of human love. And we say the love of God is like this, or the love of God is like that. And it's always related to an experience or to an instance or to a moment, to an emotion that, that we feel. It's always described in human terms. But, but you know this. I know this. We, we know this. The love of God is not like our love. The way God loves you is, is nothing close to the way I could ever love you or anyone could ever love you. The love of God is, is greater than any, any love song that's ever been sung. It's greater than any love story that's ever been told. It's greater than any, anything you've ever seen in the movies or heard on the radio. It's greater than, the, 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 than what you felt the day you got married or when you saw your first child born. The love of God, it it's, it's, it's far surpasses all of that. And any time we talk about the love of God and we put it into to human terms, I mean, we're doing the best we can, but I don't want us to ever forget, man, the love of God is, is so much greater. And the way God loves you is, is so much greater than any experience of love you could ever have here on earth. And the love of God, the love of God is so much greater and as we lean in, as we lead up to the story of Easter next Sunday, maybe the greatest story ever told, this Sunday what I want us to think about is, is not just what Jesus said about love, but, but how, dim, how Jesus demonstrated his love towards us. Maybe one of the greatest stories around that was told by one of his closest followers, a guy by the name of John. Some, some say John was, was Jesus' closest follower, confidant, friend. He was in the inner circle of his disciples. He was the, the one that sat to him uh, there at the, at the last meal we're reading about today. If you have a Bible or a device, if you're going to turn that down or open that up, we're going to look at, at John 13. John wrote this story down. He's the only one that, that, that gave us this story. And I think it's probably because this moment had such a significant impact on John, that when he began to write down the story of Jesus, he couldn't not tell this story. Like this story had that kind of impact on him. This moment was something that he would always remember and never, ever forget. And so John writes this in, in John 13. We'll start in verse 1. He says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. So Jesus is gathered with his disciples. They're in the upper room, and they're about to have this Passover meal. They're going to celebrate Passover. This, if you remember, this is the meal, right, where every year they gather around, and they remember they celebrate what God did when he delivered them uh, from Egypt. The great exodus happened. This was the meal that reminds them that, that, that they, they go back and they tell the story again. And it's one of those stories that can only be told because of what God did. There's no other way to explain it. 
There's no other way to describe it. The only way that, that they were delivered from their Egyptian bondage and captivity was because, was literally because of what God did. It was his love and action that brought them from darkness to light, from slavery into freedom. This was a story about God. So Jesus gathers with his disciples. This is hours before the cross. And he's taking time to have this meal with these disciples. Just before this, if you back up one chapter, you see how Jesus has entered Jerusalem. And when he came into Jerusalem, people were laying down their coats and palm branches. And they were crying out, Hosanna, which literally means Savior. So he's entered the city in such a triumphal way. And and in just a short amount of time, he's going to be disgraced on a cross. But in between those two moments, Jesus has gathered here with his disciples to share in the Passover meal. And John said this about Jesus. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. Did you just love that? I don't know if you highlight in your Bible or underline. I would, I would highly recommend underlining this line. He had loved. He had loved this. Don't you know? This had to be a different kind of love for Jesus. I mean, for the last three years, he has spent every moment experiencing everything that humans experience with these humans. <laughs> they've celebrated together. They've grieved together. They've laughed together. They've cried together. Uh, they, they, they've, they've said goodnight by the campfire, and they've rose together with the sunrise every morning for the last three years. And now Jesus sits down with these disciples who he had Love. Don't you know he loved every minute of this? Don't you know Jesus didn't regret one second of his decision to come from heaven to earth to do human life experience, human life with these, with these people? And don't you know as he sat down, he probably had a lump in his throat. Not because he was nervous or worried. I don't even know if this happened. Just in my imagination, I just imagine Jesus sat down and he's almost choking up. Because he realizes it's the last time. It's the last time for a while that he's going to get to sit down with these disciples who he has loved and eat this meal together. And John said he loved them to the very end. Other, other translations say that he was going to show them the full extent of his love. So listen to what happens. John writes this. It was time for supper, verse 2. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So Judas has already been seduced by the devil, but God has given Jesus all authority. So nothing that's going to happen is going to happen without Jesus' full consent. So he, Jesus, got up from the table, took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. Probably wasn't quite like this, but you can imagine our Savior Jesus taking a towel. He poured water into a basin, and then he began. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. Isn't this a beautiful picture? You may have heard this story before. We, we read it a lot. But just, just take a moment and think about the impact of this. And sometimes I wonder if we don't even make too much of a big deal about it. I mean, why wouldn't Jesus do this, right? What, what parent 
hesitates to serve and to love their children. Of course this is what Jesus would do. He saw a need and he snapped into action. This past week our son Will got sick in the middle of the night. And of course Alicia woke up and then I woke up you know, a short time after. I was a good dad. But we didn't hesitate. We snapped into action. We could see that he wasn't feeling well. And we both rallied around him to, to do whatever he needed to clean up the mess to make it better. That's what you do. What, what parent wouldn't do that? This is what Jesus did in the moment. Love. Love. The love of God especially, but love doesn't hesitate. Love sees a need and love snaps into action. And Jesus didn't have to do this, right? And it amazes me that in this moment, he didn't even get frustrated or mad or angry. Like, you, you know, one way you could think about this is Jesus has spent the last three years with these guys teaching them, telling them, showing them how to love, how to, how, to, how to talk about the love of God, how to demonstrate the love of God. And now we're in this moment, the cross is before us. You know, we know what's around the corner and, and we're, we're having this meal together. There's a need and not one of you guys will step up and, you know, do what needs to be done. Seriously, guys, what have I done the last three years? You know, I could tell, I could, I could, if I was Jesus, which you all know I'm not, you know, I would clearly Clearly, be frustrated right now with these guys, but Jesus isn't. He doesn't get he doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't get angry. He just he jumps up. He sees the need because love doesn't hesitate. And what does Jesus do? He grabs the towel and he goes around and he washes their dirty, stinky feet. He didn't have to. He could have asked any of them to do it. He could have he could have handled this ten thousand ways, but he jumped up. And he grabbed the towel, and he loved them. He served them. In a very literal way, he, he was demonstrating love without words. He wasn't telling them about the love of God. He was just showing them what real love looks like. Love that doesn't hesitate. Love from humility. Love without words. And then in verse 6, John says this. When Jesus came to Simon Peter... Peter said to him, Lord, seriously? Are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to wash my feet? Is this, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't know, but I, I don't imagine that Peter was the first person whose feet Jesus washed, and I don't think he was the last, but when Jesus got to Peter, Peter was like, time out. You know, Jesus is this really going to, are you going to wash my feet? And notice that in this point in the story, Jesus hasn't even spoken a word yet. Jesus hasn't said a thing. He just got up, grabbed the towel, and goes man to man and washes the dirty feet of the disciples. And when he gets to Peter, Peter speaks the first words. And the first words Peter says is, seriously, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I'm not worthy. You're too worthy. This can't happen in this moment. What are you doing, Jesus? It's like maybe you've experienced this where someone gave you a gift that was just so valuable or so whatever, and you were like, I can't accept this. That's what Peter's saying in this moment. This can't happen. I can't, I can't accept this from you. This is too much, Jesus. I can't do it. But Jesus looks at Peter with a water and a towel and a desire to love him. And I wonder this, if you were in that room, what would you have done? Could you let Jesus wash your feet? Here's the truth. And I don't know if you've thought about this. 
but Jesus wants to. Even now, even today, Jesus wants to. Jesus wants to serve you because Jesus loves you. And I don't know if you think about this, but Jesus is always looking for ways to continue to humble himself, to put himself up under you, to love you and to serve you, and often without words. And I don't know what you think about when you think about Jesus, but I want you to think about this. This is the way Jesus operates. It's the way he always operated. And he wants to love you and he wants to serve you. And he wants to come to you, and, and, and this isn't the message, but if I can take a quick time out, because I'm, I'm guessing someone needs to hear this today. Think about the dirtiest part of your life. It may be a painful question, but think about it. What is that secret sin? What is that thing that you're most ashamed of? What is it you're most embarrassed about? What is it that if anyone knew about that, you would just be mortified? Jesus wants to come to you, and he wants to wash that away. And here's the thing about it. Like, I know you probably want to keep that between you and God. I know you want to keep that private. But, but in this moment, I'm sure Peter didn't want everybody to see his dirty old nasty feet either. But Jesus washed his feet in community. And, and if you think about it, every time Jesus ever forgave anybody, he always did it in community. He always did it in the context of people. He was always willing to forgive sin. He was always willing to wash that away. He was always willing to do that. But he always did it in the presence of others and And if you want to experience a change and transform life by the power of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, I'm going to tell you that to really feel fully and finally free, the way that happens is when you allow Jesus to forgive you in community. Jesus is always wanting to come up under you and serve you and love you and wash your feet and take away whatever it is. But he almost always does that in community. He's offering you and he's offering Peter here in this moment A different kind of love. And it's the truest, purest love you've ever seen. And then he says this. When Jesus does speak, listen to what he says. If you skip down to verse 14, Jesus says this. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. So do as I have done to you. In other words, since I have humbled myself before you, since I have loved you without words, since I have loved you without hesitation, just do this. Do what I do. Love each other the same exact way I have loved you. And then skip on down a little further, and he says this in verse 34. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, get this, it's going to prove It's going to validate. It's going to be the evidence of the fact to the world that you are my disciples. Anytime, anytime you love people without words, anytime you love from a posture of humility, anytime you love and you put your life up under the life of another, anytime you love without hesitation, anytime you see a need and you snap into action and you do that because of the way Christ has loved you, people will notice because it's a different kind of love. This is what makes you different. This is how you live different. You love different. This is who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. People who, who not just live different, but we love different. It's a new commandment because it's a whole different kind of love. A love without hesitation, a love from humility, a love, a love without words. So what happens? Think about this. What happens when when you take up the towel, and I, and I know that we don't do this in our culture. It, it's awkward when we, when we do it, right? But what happens when you wash someone's feet? What happens when you take your power and you put up a, 
it up under someone else? What happens when you, when you love someone without words, when you take action on their behalf without even being asked? You see a need and you respond. I'll tell you what happens. You know this because you've done this. Whenever you love someone this way, whenever you love someone the way Christ loves them, it changes everything. It changes your relationship, right? When you love someone without words, when you love without hesitation, when you love from humility, when you see a need and you snap to action, uh, it gives you a chance to really love the person in front of you, to understand their need, to see, to have compassion like you've never felt before for them. And what happens when you receive that kind of love? This is the hard part, because if we're honest, this is true of me at least. We hate being on the receiving end of this. I mean, it's just awkward. We're in, we, we would much rather give it than receive it. But when someone is washing your feet, when someone sees a need you have, and they snap to action without hesitation from humility, and they love you without words... It has an impact, and you never forget it, and you never look at them the same because you have been loved. And I think, I think when we learn to love different, we learn to love like Christ. I love this story. Hannah Peterson, Hannah Peterson uh, was getting ready to get married, beautiful young bride, and her wedding was on August 25th. Look at the date. But on July 18th, she was involved in a terrible car wreck. And she had broken her pelvis like in three places, had some cracked ribs, a punctured kidney. I mean, she had a concussion. She had lost part of her hearing, just a really violent wreck. And, and here she is just a little over a month away from her wedding day. But she wouldn't let all of her injuries and even the pain she was in, she wouldn't let that derail her wedding day plans. And so on her wedding day, she was able to get on her wedding gown and she was looking forward to standing before the love of her life. His name was Stuart. And say the words I do, but she couldn't walk down the aisle, so her dad, her dad pushed her down the aisle in a wheelchair. Well, she didn't get very far when Stuart saw her from a distance, and he took off after her. And he walked down that aisle, and in a beautiful moment, he picked up Hannah from that wheelchair, and he carried her down the aisle. And then when it came time to, to say their vows, she wanted to be standing, but she was in too much pain and physically couldn't stand, so he held her up as they said their wedding vows on that day. And I can guarantee you this, before a single word was spoken, Stuart had already demonstrated his love for Hannah. Love without words. And the story that everyone remembers from that day wasn't the beauty of the flowers, or how great the dress was. They remembered seeing Stuart walk down the aisle and pick up his bride and carry her. It's a picture of love without words. And this is the way that Christ has loved you and me. The bride of Christ. So many times where he he carries you. There's so many times, church, when he is carrying us. It's love without words. And what I want to call us to is to be the kind of people that love each other and love others outside of these four walls with the love of Christ, to love the world around us with love without words because Jesus said it, when you love this way, you will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And people will ask, why are you different? What makes you different? Why, what, what is that all about? And you can just say, we just love different because we are recipients of 
the unconditional love of God. And so because we've received such incredible love, we love different. And, and loving people different leaves a lasting impression. When we love without words, we leave a mark. People notice. And this is what it means, I truly believe. And, and don't get me wrong. We, we, we can speak of the love of God, the love of Christ, and we should. But don't ever underestimate the power of loving others without words. Because I believe this is the love of Christ. And this week, what I want to ask you to do is I want you to think about who can you love like this? Who can you love without words this week? Who is it in your life you can love? Think about this. Who are you at odds with right now? Who do you have a disagreement with? Who, for whatever reason, there's tension in the relationship? Who, who in your life like Jesus? He even washed the feet of Judas. And we know how that ended. So if you've ever wondered if there's anything you could ever do that would make Jesus love you less, the answer is no. Jesus knelt down before Judas and washed his feet. And he said, if you want to follow me, then do what I do. Love like I love. Love each other as I have loved you. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand. We don't have any stories, but I, I, wish, I wish we did because I wonder. Um, I wonder what it, uh, I wonder if, if maybe later on, if, if John or if Peter, maybe next year at Passover, maybe one night at a, at a, at a dinner mill, if, if maybe one night they literally imitated Jesus and picked up a towel and, and washed the feet of the people that were there. I don't know. Michael, Britton, I want to invite you guys and anyone that would like to go ahead and head back and get ready. In just a minute, we're going to witness Britain putting on Christ in baptism. And by the way, baptism, you know what it's a picture of? Love without words. As Britain steps into the waters of baptism, and Jesus washes away his sin in this moment and makes him into a new creation. It's the love of God coming down. And we get to witness the ultimate act of love without words. And we get to watch this and we get to talk about this this morning. And it's really because of this, because, because of the ultimate act of love without words, the cross. In just a few days, we'll celebrate Easter when Jesus rose from the grave. But this week leading up to it, we think about what happened when Jesus went to the cross, stretched out his arms, and died for you and me. It's a picture of what love looks like without words. Because one look at the cross and we remember. You remember the incredible, the unconditional, the amazing, the unending, the unyielding love of God in the person of Jesus. Demonstrated on the cross. Love without words. We've talked about it all morning, but this morning I'd like for us to just take a moment to experience it. Can we worship without words this morning? Can we love God without words this morning? Here's what I want to invite us to do, just, just for a moment. In a moment we're going to sing a song or two, and we're going to, we're going to watch... Britain be baptized into Jesus by his dad. It's a beautiful moment. And so many of you know Britain. You've loved him. You've raised him. You've been a part of his life and his story. At this point, we praise God for him, for you, for, for all of this. But in this moment, what I'd like for us to do before we sing a song, before we witness this incredible moment, is take, us, take a moment in silence.
And I want to ask you to, to look at the cross and the screen behind me and just worship without words for a moment. Let's just be silent before the Lord. And I want to invite you just to love God back without words. To look at the cross, to think about Jesus, and to love him without words. In silence, just for a moment, to worship, to worship without words.